This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Hello and welcome to our Squeeze the Election series, your shortcut to the 2022 federal election. Western Australia might be a long way from Canberra, but it is very close to the heart of the coalition when it comes to a federal election. This time around, the coalition are fighting to hold on as Labor has big hopes of picking up a couple of seats in its campaign to win government on the 21st of May. I'm Larissa Moore. And I'm Claire Kimball. Western Australia is a state that the coalition relies on for support if it's to get into government. Along with Queensland, these are the two states that they really need to hold on to the seats in if it's going to win government. That's right. And it's because if the coalition loses seats in Western Australia and Queensland, then they must win seats in another state. And as we've talked about, it's going to be very hard for them to do that. So just a bit of pressure then when it comes to the state. If we look at last election, the Liberals won 11 of the state's 16 seats. This time around, there are 15 seats up for grabs because a redistribution saw WA lose one seat, and that was the Liberal-held Stirling, which covers the northern suburbs of Perth. The MP there, Vince Connolly, is now contesting the Labor-held neighbouring seat of Cowan. And on the new borders, the calculation is that it will remain a Labor seat, but the margin is 0.9%. So it makes it Labor's fourth most marginal seat in this election. Uh, So it's on the radar of those taking a close interest in the state. But on the point about the number of seats, Western Australia accounts for 10% of those in the federal parliament. Before we get further into the seats to keep an eye on, let's just get into the political environment of the West, the vibe, as we've been saying. At the state level, Labor Premier Mark McGowan has a very firm grip on power. Yeah, and that's putting it mildly. (laughs) The McGowan government was re-elected in a landslide of gargantuan proportions last year. There are 59 seats in its legislative assembly uh, and the Liberal Party won just two seats Mm. while the Nationals won four. And throughout the pandemic, McGowan has been unapologetic about essentially sealing the state off from the rest of Australia and the world. So it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out in the federal campaign, whether McGowan's dominance rubs off on federal Labor and sees more Western Australian seats change from the coalition to Labor at the federal level. Yeah, that's the big question or whether Western Australians have done with all of that and want to go the other way. We'll wait and see. Uh, But Labor has a fair hill to climb. And when you look at what happened in 2019, the coalition beat Labor in Western Australia 54 to 46 on a two-party preferred basis. And Labor's primary vote was 29.8% to the Liberals 43.8%. The Greens vote was 11.8%. 0.6%, which is pretty steady on the 2016 election. And One Nation and the United Australia Party saw 7.3% of the vote between them. So even if you put all the support for the Greens next to Labor, that takes them to about 42%, which is still just lower than the Liberals' primary vote. That's right. So you can see again why there's a lot of focus at the moment on the major parties lifting their primary vote. And for Labor to take seats off the Liberals in WA, they're going to have to find a lot more voters who will put Labor first on the ballot paper. 
Right. And given the dominance of the McGowan government, that's what many are saying that Labor actually could do this time around. Okay, let's now get into the seats, making up the key battlegrounds in this state. A message now from our podcast partner, Uber. A big topic being talked about this election is the cost of living. If you're looking for different ways to flexibly earn more, you might want to look at becoming an Uber earner. They're the ones who get people from A to B on Uber or deliver food with Uber Eats. Katia Fazio is one such earner and we got to have a chat with her about her experience as an Uber driver partner. Stay listening at the end of the episode for that chat. Claire, we've mentioned Cowan, which is the most marginal seat in the state after that redistribution. Is there anything else to say about that seat? Uh, Only that it's tough luck for whoever loses. Labor's and Ali just scraped through last election and in the neighbouring seat of Stirling, Connolly won more comfortably. But Ali is tipped to win and like a game of musical chairs, Connolly could be left without a seat when the music stops on the 21st of May. Nice metaphor you're using there. (laughs) Pierce is another seat that comes up quite a bit. It takes in Perth's outer northern coastal suburbs and the redistribution saw the Liberals' margin cut from 7.5% to 5.2%. Just a side note, these redistributions can really change the game. Yeah, they really can and that's why it's a process that takes some time for the Electoral Commission to do and then the parties respond to it and then the final electoral borders are declared. But on Pierce, it was the seat that was held by former Attorney General Christian Porter. Just to recap that, uh, at the start, of last year, the ABC published an online article alleging that an unidentified cabinet minister in the Morrison government had been accused of rape in January 1988. Porter then identified himself as the minister and very strongly denied those allegations. He then moved to sue the ABC and the case was discontinued. His legal costs were high and he accepted financial support from a blind trust, which was problematic. He then resigned from the Morrison cabinet and said he would leave politics at the election. Yeah, it's been a whole thing. Mm. So this election, Pierce is being contested by first-time candidates from the major parties. The Labor candidate is Wanneroo Mayor Tracy Roberts. She's up against a fellow Wanneroo councillor, Linda Aitken, for the Liberals. Safe to say they know a bit about each other already then. Swan is another seat that's also got new faces going head-to-head for the major parties. It's based in South Perth. Yeah, it is. And the Liberals are seeking to replace Steve Irons, who was a close mate of Prime Minister Scott Morrison's, uh, with Christy McSweeney. She's a former staffer. Her mum was a state Liberal MP uh, and she has her own PR consultancy. Labor has Zanetta Mascarenas, uh, She was born in Kalgoorlie, she's an engineer and she's worked across regional Western Australia. We've talked a lot about the major parties in WA. Anything to note on the independent scene here? Yeah, absolutely. So let's dive into the race in Curtin. So Curtin is the seat that was held by former Foreign Affairs Minister Julie Bishop. Uh, it's in the inner suburbs of Perth. It takes in Subiaco and Cottesloe. Uh, she resigned at the last election and her seat was won by Liberal Celia Hammond, who was the Vice-Chancellor of the University of Notre Dame. She had quite a high profile in that area. Uh, Hammond took a 6.4% hit, but she 
she has a margin of 13.9% going into this election. Uh, And at this election, her fiercest competitor is Teal Independent Kate Cheney. The Cheney name carries a lot of weight in WA, especially in business and politics. Yeah, it sure does. So her father is Michael Cheney, who is the chairman of Wes Farmers. Uh, He formerly held that same position at the National Australia Bank and also Woodside. Uh, Her uncle is Fred Cheney, who was the deputy leader of the Liberals in the Fraser government. And her grandfather was a minister in the Menzies government. So there's quite a bit of history there. Fred had said he was concerned when he heard Kate was having a run in Curtin, not because she wasn't running for the libs, but because he doesn't much like the political game these days. He says it's too brutal and that the Liberal Party has lost its way. Yeah, but Kate is giving it a fair shake. And just to round out her CV, uh, she's the strategy director at Anglicare WA, and she previously worked at Boston Consulting Group and at Wes Farmers. She's got a big margin that she has to close in on in Curtin, but it is certainly a race to keep an eye on. Speaking of keeping an eye on WA, that can be a frustrating exercise on election night, particularly if it's tight. Yeah, it's the time zones that are the trick. (laughs) It's two hours behind. And as you say, if it's a tight result on the East Coast, uh, it can become a bit of a waiting game as those results from WA start trickling in at about 9pm on the East Coast. Well, they say patience is a virtue, never more so than seat watching on election night. (laughs) Thanks for listening to this episode of Squiz the Election. Remember, if you have any questions about anything we've discussed here today or any other episodes, send your questions through to hello at thesquiz.com.au. We'll unpack them in our Saturday podcast, Ask the Squiz. Until next time. Katia Fazio is a mum. She lives in the Mornington Peninsula down in Victoria. And for a long time, as well as being the primary caregiver for her daughter, she worked a number of part-time jobs. And then four years ago, she became a driver partner for Uber. Thanks so much for joining us, Katia. My pleasure. To start off with, take us back to the beginning. What made you interested in earning with Uber? For me, in the beginning, I was looking for a job that I could earn more money with, ideally, and also have a bit more independence and flexibility. I was working in hospitality. I wasn't earning at a capacity that I wanted to, to be economically viable for my future, and I couldn't see a future in it. So I looked at different options, and Uber was definitely a big plus for me. I did my research first and realized that the potential for earning was quite good. So I decided to jump into it and start driving. I think many people have been in that situation before where their job doesn't quite align with the life that they want. Can be pretty daunting to make a change though. I I actually loved it. The minute I started driving, I felt free. I could work when I wanted. I could do any activities that I wanted, such as going to the gym or catching up with friends, a lot of things that I couldn't do in my previous employment in hospitality. Also to to earn how much I wanted a week and I'd be flexible with that and just have that independence. Yeah, so it sounds like the flexibility is a real big plus here. Females aren't necessarily who we first think of when we think about Uber driver partners. Did you have any concerns when you started driving? I think the only concern for me was really driving at night. So when I first started driving, I said to myself, I'll work until midnight and we'll stop there and see how we go. But When I did get to that point of driving at midnight, it was busy. The trips kept them rolling in. 
my passengers were lovely and it sort of eased my fears and my concerns right from the start because I didn't find it to be daunting at all. Next minute it's 3am and I'm still going and I'm having a great time. (laughs) So that was my biggest concern, driving late at night, but it ended up not being a concern at all. Uber have actually just recently launched a new feature called Women Rider Preference. That's where drivers can have the choice to accept trip requests from women riders only. How are you finding the new feature? I love it. I think it's such a great feature. There are so many benefits for it, not only for women drivers who might not feel comfortable driving at night because they don't know who they're picking up, also too for new drivers coming onto the platform and driving for Uber it gives them that comfort and that peace of mind as well that they can make that choice to just pick up women. So I I think it's such a great option. It sounds like you really enjoy being an Uber driver partner. You've been doing it for four years now. You must have had some interesting experiences. One that really stands out was the time I picked up Prince's sister, Tika Nelson. No. Yeah, it was when she was out here touring. And I picked her up from the ABC studios in South Bank and was taking her to her next destination. And while she was in my car, she did an interview. And that was really the moment I realized who she was. And she was talking about Prince. And it was surreal and pretty amazing hearing it from her mouth, her anecdotes about Prince. So when I dropped her off, I got my photo with her. And yes, you know, there's a lot of great memories um, with driving. Just wait till I tell Claire about this. She's a huge, huge Prince fan. Just shows you never know who's going to get in your car and the experiences that you can have. Well, thank you so much for joining us and telling us a bit about your experiences driving with Uber and earning with Uber. You're welcome. And for any listeners who would like to know more about earning with Uber and just how it works, go to uber.com forward slash drive. This week, our podcast is brought to you by Aware Super, one of Australia's most awarded super funds. It can be hard to know where the best place to grow your super is, but with awards like CanStar's Outstanding Value three years in a row and Money Magazine's 2024 Ultra Long Term Performance, Aware Super's 1.1 million members can be confident their super is in good hands. Visit aware.com.au forward slash awards to find out more. Awards are only one consideration. Read the PDS and TMD on the website.